0: If today you'll open your heart and mind to God's will for your life in a further degree and opt in, you will look back without regrets when you consider your life in the future. Today's message time to opt in. Now, I know none of you are going to want to own this publicly, but let me ask you are you skeptical? Are you sitting on the fence? Are you waiting for some point of clarity that helps you to jump off the fence and choose one side or the other? The challenge of the culture we live in, and particularly the kinds of uh, young adults now emerging into leadership, is that we have been militarized. Our minds are aggressive against truth claims, and we embrace rather subjective preference. We have come to a point where we no longer fully trust leadership perspectives or authorities and we would rather trust our own view and so on and so my question is how far is that going to get you in the life that God is calling you to I want to look at a skeptical life in scripture and I want to invite us on a journey to consider our mindsets and consider where we are in relation to God John 1 43 we find the perfect example shall we say of a skeptic who's drawn to Christ The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And in our example skeptic, Nathanael says to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip says, come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Something happened in Nathanael's heart in these few words with Jesus. And Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe you will see greater things than these? And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. We've been framing this whole series in the context of unsubscribe, looking at our modern day social media stroke, email culture, the way that we are doing communications these days and looking at the whole issue of unsubscribing and recognising terms and conditions and so on. And today our focus is in on this area of opting in. And we're being required to all the time now opt in as opposed to opt out. It used to be that it was assumed that because you visited somewhere, you wanted all that was on offer in that place. So when you opened a website, all of their cookies and so on uh, would jump onto your laptop. Uh, And if you don't know what a cookie is, um, it's just evening school. Um, But you would find that all of this would come assumed with your visitation of a website. But as things went on, people began to recognize that Uh, companies out there weren't as honest and full of integrity as we would like them to be, and they would track our activity and perhaps download information and so on. And so now you have to choose to opt in. Whenever you go to a website, this annoying page, uh, a banner jumps up at the bottom, and you have to click to accept everything or reject everything. And if you reject everything, you get kicked off the website. Now for us today, we've become really, really low tolerance about how long we're willing to wait before we opt in. So a window can pop up and we click accept, click accept. And it might be that someone pops up with a window saying, if you give me your email, I will give you something in return and we consider it for a minute and then we give over our contact information. We've gotten very quick at giving people access to our personal data and to our information and so on. Um, Take it a step beyond that, hopefully we take a bit more time when it comes to relationships. Uh, There is a tendency in this direction where more and more people are quickly clicking and find themselves in relationships that perhaps they hadn't intended, but it might take a few months or years before you decide who you could and should marry, and hopefully you'd take the time to diligently work that out. But I want to slow us right down today to think about our eternal destiny. So moving away from the quick click and the months and the years into a perspective of what is my life going to have been about? I remember when I was a young man, I think I was roughly around the age of 10 or 12, we used to come over from Hong Kong to spend the summers with my parents, uh, sorry, my, parent, my mom's parents or grandparents, and we'd, you know, sleep, stay with them for about six weeks and have fun and, you know, have campouts in the dining room and all of that kind of stuff, and then there would come that point in time when we would leave, and one time, having spent the summer with my granddad, I had a question to ask him. As we are leaving his house, I looked up at him and said, Granddad, why don't you believe in God? He patted me on the head as if I was a child, which I was, um, but patronizingly. One day you'll figure it out, son. That was his line to me. 20 years later, roughly, I was sitting by his bedside. He was in hospital, had been in intensive care for 120 odd days, um, in intensive care, sitting by his granddad saying, by his bed saying granddad maybe now's the time for you to believe in God and him just squeezing my hand and nodding I know that he came to Christ around that point in time it was incredible to be part of that journey with him and to see him come to Christ before he passed away but I sometimes sit there and wonder what if 20 years earlier that question had pricked his heart The mind that he'd been gifted with, the life that he had lived, the places that he had been. He'd lived in all over the world. His one child was born in Baghdad in Iraq. The other child was born in Kuala Lumpur in in Malaysia. He'd traveled the world. If he had known Jesus, what would his life have been like? And I wonder that about us. We often think it's okay to sit on the fence. He wasn't sitting on the fence. He was firmly on the side of, no, I don't believe in God. But there came a a time after all the years that God gifted him. Remember, they were not guaranteed tomorrow. God gifted him that time. And there came a time when he came to know Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. But it was at the end of a life given to other things. I know right now he'll stand before God. But when he's asked the question, what did you do with your life? He'll be able to say one thing. I didn't live it for you but I found you at the end. What about you? Where, what about where we're at? What is going on in your life and what would help you get off that fence into a place of living for God? Let's come back to Nathaniel. This is a man at the beginning of a similar journey. He was coming with the same skepticism. He was coming with the same uncertainty. He needed some more motivation before he gave away his contact info. But he had a revelation of Jesus that caused him to change the direction of his life. Wherever you are today, whatever revelation the Lord speaks to you today, you are required to opt in. And it's not just something that we can know about, it is something that we need to choose as a way of life. To bring it now to a bit more of a modern day context, I remember one time I was in church and from this platform you can see everyone. You can see people who are sleeping, you can see people who are attentively paying taking notes, you can see people who are texting their, their boyfriend or girlfriend, you can see the way that people are interacting. And I saw over on this side, they're not here today, so don't be looking for them, but they were over on this side, right on the back row, this big boy, and he was sitting next to what I assumed to be his girlfriend. And so I went over to have a chat with him at the end of the service. It looked to me like he was in church because his girlfriend was in church. You ever seen that kind of a look? I'll spot some of you here today when, when I've got my time. But there's this look that a guy has when he's like sitting up really straight as if to pay attention to what the preacher's saying. But in his brain, he's like, <laughs> and maybe even. You see this look, you know that they're not there for themselves You know that they're there to try and impress their girlfriend Or their girlfriend's mum, who brought them to church Whichever way around it was So he would sit there, and I would go over to him and say Hey man, how's it going, my name's Gabriel And we'll just shorten his name so you can't figure out who it is Jay Yeah, I'm Jay Oh, good to meet you, mate Okay, alright, well I'll catch you next Sunday So I go away, come back next Sunday How you doing, Jay? All right. Jay, how about I get your number? You know, maybe we can go for coffee. His face, <laughs> it's like, why would you want my number, fam? Except it wasn't fam, and it wasn't bro, it was sir, why would you want my number? <laughs> and so he's like, no, no, I'm all right. I'm all right. I think I'm just going to come, and I'm just going to sit at the back. And he sit at the back, week in, week out, because his girlfriend's mum comes to the church, and he was trying to win her heart over. But something began to happen in his heart over that period of time. I'll come back to Jay later. In this passage, we see that, that Peter has had a revelation of Jesus and he's gone to find his mates. He's gone to let them know, listen. Sorry, Philip, not Peter. Uh, Philip, and he's gone to let his mates know, listen, got to tell you, that thing which we've been looking for all our lives, that thing which gives us the most purpose, the, the Messiah, we found them. Now, if you can imagine that they would actually find the Messiah, they'd been waiting for a few thousand years. So for them to be in a location at a particular place at a particular time when Jesus was walking... They'd hit the jackpot, so to speak. And he goes to him and says, we found him of whom Moses in the law, so prophecy from thousands of years earlier, and also all the prophets have written about. He is Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God. Philip proclaimed, shall we say, an objective truth about Jesus. He understood that there had been a message passed on to us for millennia, from God, His promises. We believe in an Alpha and Omega God. What that means is A to Z. It's real clever. You know, remember we used to have the A to Z maps, but it means the beginning, the totality, A to Z. He is there at the beginning, and He will be there at the end, because we haven't hit the end yet, have we? Otherwise, we wouldn't be sitting in long sermons on a Sunday. But He He knows the end from the beginning, and He is. Spoken through his prophets throughout the thousands of years that have been in time past about a promised one who would come, Jesus Christ. And so Philip comes to say, All of those prophetic words, there's a man walking on the earth right now who fulfills those promises. When truth is truth, it's unchanging. The word that God has known in eternity and that he's revealed to us through time is given to us, it's unchanging promises. And we can know as we look at the person of Jesus that he is the fulfillment of those truths that have been spoken over time. So in the time before Google and YouTube, if you wanted to find out what the truth was, you go to the Word of God. You'd go read the Word of God. You'd go to God for wisdom. You'd go to him for life. And in there, they would find this person of Jesus Christ. And so there was this first challenge given to Nathaniel there's someone walking on the earth that fulfills the prophetic words. And Nathaniel, in his mind, could not immediately buy into that because he was offended by the place he was from. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? They probably expected that he would have been born in Jerusalem in one of the high priest palaces um, and come from real good blood and good family stock. But no, he was born in, oh, born in Bethlehem but raised in Nazareth. So he had an issue that affronted his mind. But we're called to, when we see truth, when we know truth, when we discover truth, opt into it. And this is a big challenge that we have, because we struggle with these issues, we struggle with these questions, and it's important to ask questions, but it's important not to doubt in the asking of the question, rather to journey towards truth. And what happens for Nathaniel is what can happen for you when nathaniel gets brought to jesus jesus looks at him and says before philip called you when you were under the fig tree i saw you when you were hanging out on your own when you were doing whatever you're doing i knew you were there because nathaniel's like how do you know me how do you know my name how do you know the kind of person i am Um, and his response in the text, look, an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. What amazes me about this verse is that not only is Jesus the truth, objectively, but he personalizes it in Nathaniel's case. And I said to you right at the beginning that we in our thinking and in our, in our understanding, we're subjective thinkers. We go by our experience. We go by that which is known to us. And Jesus made himself personally known to Nathaniel, but by revelation. Another great way of saying this, rather, is that Jesus speaks our language. He knows that we need to have revelation of who he is. He's not just some objective truth somewhere, but actually he's the manifestation of truth, and he can make that personally revealed to you. How by the revelation of his spirit and the grounding of his word, we know that. But in these moments of saying this, Nathaniel comes to his senses. He's no longer the critic, he's no longer the skeptic, he's no longer the person saying, nah, That's not true. Rather, because Jesus knew him and knew his name, he turns and he says, Rabbi, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. There came a personal moment for him. I I don't know what your personal moment was when you accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Uh, For those of you who have not heard my testimony, I've been in Kensington Temple 15 years now, April 2004 when I joined the church. But I came as a fighter and as a drinker. I had come into church because my friend heard me talking about a fight I'd been in and said, dude, your life's so messed up, you need to go back to church. And so I came back to church that day. I had been in church from the age of six, probably even before that, Catholic church right at the beginning, and then every possible Pentecostal conference. And you know, I've been to Billy Graham, I've been to Benny Hinn, I've been to... Let me not go through the list of names But I've been to all their things, right? And so I've been in church from then until 18 And I left the church I was like, I'm done with you guys, I'm gone But then there came a point in time When I knew I needed Jesus Mentally But I came and sat here on that day Because my friend said You need to go back to church And as I'm sitting there Colin Dyer, senior minister, is is preaching, and I was stuck right where my mate William is. He sat here deliberately to pull cheeky faces at me while I'm preaching, Um, but literally stuck there with all the rows in front, so I was sandwiched in. I couldn't get out anywhere, and Colin was speaking about Jesus and his death on the cross for us, but going way beyond that to Jesus now being seated with Christ in heavenly places. I knew about the cross. I knew about brokenness and sin and shame and all of that stuff but it was when he was saying, you know what, now your destiny is to be seated with Christ in heavenly places. The dots joined. I was no longer focused on Jesus of the cross, but also aware of Jesus raised into glory. And suddenly that revelation of Jesus hit my heart. So much so that I'm still here 15 years later. God changed something. And it began to open something in my life to pursue God. I don't know what your moment is that you'll need to embrace to move forward with God. But there's something that will happen that you'll know that you know that you know that you know that not only is Jesus true, objectively, but for me, from my perspective, I know that he's God and I want to walk with him all of my days. Amen? And so I think back to those times as, funny to be in this reflective phase because next week is our last Sunday. But I think of 15 years of being here in the church, of those, I spent about 12 years serving Colin as his assistant and then executive assistant. No one is ever going to be able to take that record from me because soon enough he will have to retire. He will carry on a ministry, I'm sure. But 12 years. But I don't say that to say no one should ever respond to a call of God, because there's so many opportunities for people to serve, to be a blessing, to see things that you cannot even imagine. Every one of us needs a process of training and preparation. You know, up until three years ago, I had not been to Bible school. I had not done any formal study. All of my knowledge of the Bible and scripture had been serving Colin, carrying his cases, carrying his bags, making his coffees and teas, driving the car, getting the car clean and fueled, traveling and carrying suitcases and making sure hotel rooms are set up and making sure that all of the meetings are going on, all of that kind of stuff. Those are the contexts in which I learned about the Bible. I finalized it by actually doing a master's to, to be official, you know, to pretend like I have a qualification in theology. But that's where I learned all of my. Um, My discipleship. And we're called to, as as we respond to Jesus, and this is the challenge for you, this is the next step for you, is to commit to a process of training and of preparation to become all that God is intending you to. As Jesus reveals himself to you, he really deserves your life. How are you going to live your life for him? Maybe it's your season for IBIOL Bible College. A time here in the church to go deeper in God, whether that's full-time Monday Tuesdays or evening school Tuesdays or online. Every one of us is called to a season of growing so that we might know the person of Jesus and his truth. So opt in with our mind, but then also opt in with our heart. Come to know Jesus and walk with him. But I don't know if Nathaniel realized this, that his decision to follow Jesus had hidden implications. He was coming skeptical to Jesus anyway, but then imagine his mind when he saw the ragtag crew that he was supposed to hang out with. Imagine him when he's like you know, Peter and Philip, James and John, these angry, crazy guys, Sons of Thunder, Matthew, the dodgy tax collector. See, we're called to opt in to Jesus who is perfect with our hearts and our minds, and that can be easy. But the implicit, then, implication is that we opt into life with one another in the body of Christ, and that can be difficult. First, because maybe your journey into church will bring you into contact with leaders. Should we call us pastors? You know what's hilarious is when I hang out with people and they're like, what do you guys even do? You ever ask that question, what does a pastor do? Do you just spend all day writing sermons? You know, People's faces, if I see them in town on a Monday or a Tuesday, it's like, you exist on a Monday or Tuesday and you're not wearing a suit. Why are you wearing jeans, t-shirt? I thought you weren't allowed to. I thought you always had to wear a suit. All we do all day is sit around, do nothing, drink cups of tea and coffee. Apparently is the narrative in their mind. But you'll come into contact with leaders who engage in all sorts of things. I mean, me personally was running the Bible school, associate minister, pastor pastor responsibilities, discipling hundreds of men, family life with two young kids, and throwing in a master's on top of that for fun. But if in all of that, we're real people. And if you were to hang out with my wife, you'd realize that leaders are not perfect. So if your first journey into church is to see the leader at the front, let's just say we're not perfect, okay? We'll hold that up from the beginning. Some of you will love me. Some of you will hate me. That's okay. I don't mind. (laughs) But the challenge for us is that we're called to love one another. And so if you talk to Rebecca, she'd be like, you know, Gabriel's real grumpy all day yesterday because we're not perfect people but we're called to love one another. Or you might come across the real people in church. You know, we come to church, we sit down and we're like, I would really love the church if it wasn't for the people I had to sit next to. Because you know, some, some of us have known what it's like to be let down by people. Where they betray us, we tell them a secret and we hear the secret come back on the grapevine from somebody else. We know what it's like to be let down by those other kinds of people. You know, the people that don't pick up their phone calls. Hey, be really good to hang out with you. Yeah, 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 call me, call me. And then when you call them again, are you good to hang out tonight? The phone just keeps ringing. Or you've been around someone who loves to just do life their way. One of the funny things about millennials is that they would prefer to make a mess and then ask for help when they're trying to put their life back together. You know, we don't hear from people while they're making a mess. We hear from them right at the end. Hey, I really messed my life up. Pastor, you got any help for me? But you might be affected by real people your life might be made a mess of by someone else's decisions in your life but we're called to not just opt into god with our heart and our minds but we're called to opt into his command to love one another 1 john 2 says if we it's a new commandment i'm writing to you which is true in him and in you Whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there's no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. What John is basically saying is by opting into God, we're called to opt into loving one another. And if we don't love one another, we're lying to ourselves about whether we've really met God or not. It requires us to journey with this hope of forgiving people and loving those around us. So we're called to opt in to, with our hearts, opt in with our minds, opt in in our relationships, and then also finally to opt in for our purpose. Let me bring you back to the story of my friend Jay. So Jay sat there for a long time and he really, really struggled with the fact that I was, ins- so for a while I didn't follow him up. For a while I left to to just be like, alright dude, all good, and then carry on. But over time, after we'd established a trust basis, he started to come to the cell group. And he started to listen and pay attention in the cell group. And I began to understand why. He was slowly building trust, slowly building connection. And as he was starting to see those connections built, then he was being more and more open with his life. And as he began to be real about his life, he had had some disappointments, some offence, Some broken areas of his life, some burnout areas of his life, and he didn't want to throw in full scale to living and following Jesus, living for and following Jesus. I don't know what the decisions are for you as to why you might be on the fence. Is it a truth issue? Is it a heart issue? Is it a history issue? Is it something that went wrong for you in the past? Maybe you were a part of a church split context. Maybe someone broke your heart and you've never been able to love again. Maybe you got fired from your job and not got back into the kind of employment you wanna be in. Maybe you worked so hard so faithfully out of a heart of love but you burnt out in the end. Whatever your reason is, there is a call to opt back in to your destiny. And this guy who'd sat on the edge and had had all of these issues with disappointment and offense and brokenness and so on, came to a point where he's like, you know what, actually, I don't wanna live on the fence any longer. I wanna start living for God. And so he would start to lead cell groups, start to follow up in discipling guys, start to evangelize on the street. Got to the point where he married his lovely girlfriend, became his wife, and they've now had two kids. But beyond that, he's now like, what is the call of God on my life? Now that I've opted in, now that I'm two feet in, now that I'm not here just because I want to get married, but I'm here because I have seen a call of God for me, what am I going to do now? And you have a chat with him, he's like, I'm feeling the call of God. I feel like God is calling me to serve him in some kind of a way. Wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want to encourage you that if Jesus is who he says he is and as he's seeking to reveal himself to you, that the trajectory of your life changes as you opt in, that you'd start to commit to the people around you and commit to the destiny that he has for you. Let's come back to the text finally. At the beginning of this text, We read about a a man who was skeptical. We read about a man who wasn't sure about who Jesus was or that it could even be um, someone, the Messiah out of Nazareth. But in these few short moments, Jesus identifies him, Jesus knows him, and he says, you know what, I wanna follow Jesus. And then Jesus gives him a response, an invitation. And this same response, the same invitation is open to you today, even though I've laid out some other challenges there. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Right at the beginning of Nathaniel's call, right when he's responding to Jesus, Jesus lets him know that his life is never gonna be the same again. Now, can you imagine the things that Nathaniel saw? I mean, he, with Jesus, when people are getting raised from the dead, with Jesus, when lepers are getting cleansed, when demonized people are getting set free, any of you ever seen a miracle? A few? Good? Good. We should see we believe God for many, many more miracles. But right at the beginning, Nathaniel was invited to a life where he would see incredible, incredible things happen. Can you imagine how it changed the way he thought, changed his perspective? He probably thought back to that initial day. That day when he was asked the question, will you come and meet the Messiah? And he asked that similar question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And he probably thought to himself, you know what, that was the best opt-in decision I've ever made. Jesus promised him right at the beginning, and at the end as he reflects, he saw that his life lived in the kingdom of God was well, well worth it. Wherever you are today, on your journey, Jesus promises from the beginning that you're called to a life of experiencing his untold potential in you, a revelation of the kingdom of God happening in you. Are you willing to embrace it? Are you willing to be someone that says, you know what, God, there was truth out there about you, but now I know who you are. I want to serve you. I want to follow you with all of my heart. I want to be part of your family. I want to be part of your destiny for me. That's me, Jesus. You can do that today with a simple responsive heart.